Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Slapshot Podcast. This is episode one. My name is Sam Nessler. I'll be your host. We're going to be talking hockey, all kinds of hockey, ranging from all leagues, maybe even getting into some men's league stuff. Who knows? I'm going to have all kinds of guests, do some interviews, and let's just jump right in. So my guest today is my good friend and what has been known to nobody except for the two of us as a former line mate on the best line in roller hockey history, my friend Warren Nielsen. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Sam. It's good to be here. Yeah, of course. I'm excited. We basically just debate hockey and talk hockey anyway, so I figured this would be a natural first guest for the podcast. Um, just record one of our conversations and and go from there. So, Let's just dive right in. Uh, let's not complicate it too much. I want to start out talking this season. So obviously we know COVID hit pretty hard. Uh, last year was the strangest season, I think, in NHL history um, since the flu way back when, when they had to stop the season. So we finished it out. We got a Stanley Cup champion. And then from there, we weren't really sure what was going to happen. Ended up getting a 56-game schedule from January to May. So what are you excited about for this season? Oh my gosh. I'm just excited that there's hockey, you know, I, I think like everybody, but really it's just so cool the way that they broke up the divisions, um, you know, just with all the rivalries that are kind of old and new, uh, you know, you look up at the Canadian division and every single night it's going to be a battle, like kind of who's going to come out of that. And then just seeing, you know, like they put the stars in the, the lightning in the same division, you know, that's like the Stanley cup finals and seeing them battle it out. It's going to be really fun. So I'm excited to go forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the bigger ones that people talk about for this year is that the divisions are are strange and I think teams are going to miss, you know, playing everybody in the whole whole league, but you're going to get some rivalries, man. I mean, Canadian all Canadian hockey. I know that the people up in Canada are fired up for those matchups. Um, you know, I think they wish that they could go to the games. That would probably make it a little bit better, but being able to watch, you know, the Leafs play the Oilers and the uh the Jets play the Flames and all these, you know, Canadian matchups that you got to see only a couple times a year because most of these teams were spread out. I mean, you got to keep remember that like the Flames were in the West, the the Canadians were in the East, the Jets were in the Central. You know, you're you're kind of spread out. You only play each other a couple times, so you're going to get eight. I, bl- I believe it's actually more because Canadian division has less teams. So I think they're playing each other nine to ten times, which is just wild. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. So. Let me switch it then on you. What are you not excited for or what do you dislike about the way that the NHL set it up this year? I mean, you just, you know, you miss those matchups, those funny, weird games, you know, when the Rangers are playing the Ducks and you're like, who's going to, you know, win that? And then, you know, just the old kind of rivalries, you know, like not seeing, um, you know, Colorado in the West play someone like the Stars or, you know, some of those kind of matchups or rivalries that have been old and new. And then I guess just kind of, you know, like the Ovechkin Crosby matchup, those kind of things, I guess we still have that, but you know, those big players seeing them go kind of head to head, you know, like a Matthews and a, and a, um, Ovechkin, you know, somebody like that, just watch those kind of big Titans go head to head. I think we'll miss out on that a little bit, but you know, I think we're just happy to have hockey. So I think it's just, (laughs) it's going to be a good year. Yeah, absolutely. I think the funny thing is you kind of touched on it where like the Rangers playing the ducks, it's such a funny aspect as, as a fan, you know, let's say you're a Rangers fan your team is a couple points out of the playoffs and they're chasing, you know, that let's just say the devils and the devils are out West playing the ducks and the Kings and the sharks. So you're over there being a fan, you know, staying up till two o'clock in the morning, watching this game. 
And man, can I really hope for the bottom of the barrel San Jose Sharks to beat this team and help my team out? So the, the cool thing about that, the you know, the, the positive way to look at it is you have a chance to be right against that person. So if you're the Rangers and you need to catch the Devils, you play them so many times a year that you have the chance to to catch them. So you know, the way the schedule is set up, if you're, if you're tight in a matchup Rangers devils, you're probably going to play them another four times, you know, end of the season where, you know, that we win those games and that's a massive, I mean, that can be a, a potential, you know, you, let's say you play them back to back weekends. That's a four point game that you get to play them and you can completely flip the standings in a, in a of a second. So that'll be the, the kind of positive way to look at it. But I agree. I mean, you're not going to get the the weird ones, especially if you're a big time fan of a, of a certain team, you know, you're not going to get those teams that are coming out from, from different places. So it's almost going to be, you know, in the playoffs, you're going to be like, who is this guy playing on the Leafs? You know, if you don't see him all year long and you're not watching all the games, you're, you watch a game and you're like, wait, who the heck is this rookie that I have not heard anything about? Cause that's how a lot of fans get those, you know, get the knowledge on the other team's players. You know, you see, an early rookie Austin Matthews because the Maple Leafs travel and play the stars or they play the sharks or whatever it is. But those local fans that just watch their local team are going to be blown away by the, the talent that they don't know about. And they're going to have the classic that guy's on that team question, you know, towards the end of the year. So um, that's an interesting thing. But I think for me, the, the biggest thing I'm excited about is what, what you said, the new quote unquote, new matchups. Um, <laughs> so I put the quotes on because you get some, I'm going to pick on the central division specifically. You get some matchups that were just incredible matchups back in the day. You get the Detroit Dallas rivalry, which was so massive back in the day in the, in the nineties to two thousands when those teams were just dominant. I mean, it was basically a three team Western conference back then. It was the, the wings, the avalanche and the stars every year. Uh, I think it was like five out of the seven Stanley cups in that range were between those three teams. Um, so yeah. Those will be fun to see. I know they they're they're going to play each other eight times. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, you get you get the California teams matching up with each other a ton. Uh, they saw each other a bunch usually in the division, but now it's doubled. So you'll get that. Although yeah. they're they're not the best quality teams right now, so <laughs> maybe that'll be their only wins. But at least they get to see each other. You get the the L.A. Anaheim you know highway rivalry. Um, the devil for now. Ain't. For now, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so I'm excited to see that, but I agree. I think yeah. it'll be fun. I think there's, there's a lot of things to look forward to. And the, the funniest part to me is I think there's going to be so many things that pop up that you're just like, okay, well now we have to adjust from there. You know, whether it was oh my Dallas gosh. missing yeah. four games at the beginning of the year, or now I think Vegas just canceled their last three. Um, or whether you just see, you know, a player, a player is unhappy in a season and usually, they're like, all right, let's get through this season. But now with the with the crazy alignment and the way the playoffs are set up, you get trades like Line A for Dubois, which would probably yeah. not have happened this early on in a regular season. So it'll be interesting to see. And I think it's not going to be dull. I'll tell you that. There's going to be a new storyline every day. And yeah, and teams are going to be clawing back. I mean, you know, because like even those guys that are on the fringe, the five, six, sevens, you know, every night they're playing those one, two, three, four guys 
they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot, you know, and I think it's going to make every matchup that much better too. And, you know, and, and then, and it's going to make, like you said, that jumping around, it's going to be really interesting. And and I don't think there's a light schedule, so to speak, you know, because a lot of times you, you know, you look after the all-star break and you're like, Oh, that team, you know, they're set for the president's trophy, the, the other uh, Stanley cup playoffs, you know, they got a light schedule, but I, I just don't think that's the thing this year, which will be really cool to see. So. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you, you can kind of jump around and, and claw back very quickly. So, you know, back in the day, teams have always talked about this is a tougher league than it used to be. And it's true. I mean, you look every year and teams, you know, the Penguins are the first team to repeat in a long time because teams don't get back to that point because the, the league just gets too good. You know, you you look at year to year and you get a team that was in seventh in division. And all of a sudden they're they're up for the president's trophy or, you know, you get one player and it could change the whole thing. So the league was already tight. Now you add to the fact that every game is a four point swing. All of a sudden, I mean, you're looking at teams that you win a weekend against a team and you go from, man, we're four points out of the playoffs to man, we're in the playoffs just like that. And that is very (laughs) rare. You don't get that as every game, every night. And as fans, we get hockey every night until basically May. So that's, that's pretty wonderful too. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a good year. It's a good year. So let's jump here. Uh, so interesting storyline. Um, Mike Babcock, he gets fired, I believe, last year from the Leafs. Um, mm-hmm. The main story was that he got fired. They weren't playing well. Um, you know, the Leafs were having one of their tough runs and they just had too much talent. And so they, they let him go. Um, but then the stories that came out afterwards were were pretty wild. And so I'm going to say <laughs> the main report was so untrue, according to Babcock, that you got to wonder whether it's him maybe hiding some things or whether the the people were just searching for whatever the story was and just kind of reporting whatever they could get their hands on. So the way it was reported was that um, Babcock went in with a – sorry, I said last year. This was this was a few years ago, this story. Mm-hmm. Um, he went in to, with a, a rookie, Mitch Marner, who was not playing up to his potential. Um, he brought him into the locker room and he said, I want you to rank all your teammates – in terms of their work ethic, including yourself. And so he did it. He wrote the list. You know, he's a rookie kid. I don't know how old he was, but he couldn't have been more than 20, 22 years old. So yeah. he's sitting there in front of this legendary coach having to rate all of his teammates, which is just nerve wracking <laughs> to start with. So he writes all this stuff down. He puts himself last because he knew that why he was in the, he knew why he was in there. He knew why the coach was talking to him. So he, he put himself last, understandably. Then the Babcock allegedly, this is the way it was originally reported walks into the locker room that Marner is now sitting in and announces the list to the entire team in front of Marner. <laughs> so this rookie kid is sitting there in his teammates faces as he listens to, you know, Babcock, let's just, let's just pretend you're the guy right above Marner on that list. And you're rated 28th out of 30 on your, on the, on the team. You're not going to be pretty, very happy about that. But that I don't think was true, at least to Babcock. Babcock says that this is how it went at, went down. He did the same thing that, that we started out with. He made the list. He did all that. And then he brought in another guy and he showed him that list and had him create his own list and then compared him. So he did show it off to another player, which he admittedly said was wrong. Um, you know, yeah. either way, it doesn't sound great. <laughs> but the fact that it was so blown out of proportion, I want to know what you think, first of all, about the situation, but also what do you believe? You know, who, who, what was true in this situation? 
Yeah, that's, I mean, it's so hard to say, you know, and a guy like Babcock that's just been under the microscope, he's been, you know, in, in hockey markets, hockey town, quote unquote, in, in Detroit, and then, you know, where he was very successful. And then to go into somewhere that Toronto, which is even more under the microscope, if possible than Detroit, and, you know, getting just a really great, talented team, like you said, um, and, you know, you got to find a way to win in, in, in and out. And I think, you know, you hear these stories about coaches like Herb Brooks, you know, that people still are afraid of, you know, or, you know, rest in peace, but, but guys, you know, on that 1980 Olympic team that are just still having no flashbacks. And and I think the thing about the Babcock story is that it, it brought other stories out to surface, you know, you know, people like Johan Franzen and, and, uh, and corroborated by, uh, Chris Chelios, you know, on, on some other uh, news networks, you know, and, and you hear him kind of just the things that he would say. So, you know, I don't know. And I think maybe Babcock isn't targeting, you know, who he's talking to very well. I mean, you got to kind of know your guys, which I think he obviously does. He's a su- successful coach. And, but, you know, I, I don't know where the truth is. You know, I've never been in the locker room there. I, I can't say, uh, but you know, I, I think it's a crazy story. And I, I, you know, I'm just going to say, Sam, that I, I think I would put myself top 10, um, you know, hard, hardest work. <laughs> um, no, I, no way. I mean, as a rookie, I think that's such a, I love that, that the Marner put himself last, like that's such a humble move, but I think Babcock has made other moves, you know, like sitting Madonna when he was about to get 1500 career games in Detroit, or, you know, he scratched Spezza in the season opener, um, a few years back when he was or in Toronto and, you know, Spezza came there and, and he was going to play against Ottawa, his former team. And I, I think he's made some questionable moves, but he's obviously, you know, he's day in, day out, like, he's getting the wins, you know, or did, you know, before Toronto, <laughs> but, but, you know, he's a successful coach, I'd say. And so I, I don't know what it is. And I think it'll be interesting to hear more come out and then it'll be interesting to see what he does with his new broadcast role uh, as well. Yeah. That's, that's interesting too, is that this only came out. And so there, there's two sides to, to every story. And now people are jumping on him because he didn't come out and explain anything until he was going to be on TV or it's almost like, you know, not to, to get too dramatic, but it's almost like, I admitted that I cheated. And the girl's like, yeah, after I caught you, you know, like you're coming back on national TV. (laughs) That's why you want to explain this because you don't want to look as bad. But that also could be like, I need to get away from the game a little bit and away from the spotlight. You all know how how Toronto and Detroit media can be. I got to get out of this spotlight a little bit and and relax with my family. And he did. He got away with his family a little bit um, and before he returned to hockey. So people, a lot of people think he's going to return to the bench too next year. And there's a couple teams that that are definitely going to need some new coaches even this season. Um, definitely next year. So we'll see what happens there. But um, I'll be honest too. I'm a I'm a Mike Madonna fan, die hard from from the day he started. But if I had the Madonna that, that was on that Red Wings team, I'd probably sit him too. Um, he was he should have retired, be after Dallas, and and definitely not made that number ninety showing in uh, in Detroit. But that's another story for another day. Um, yeah. So speaking of Detroit, though, let's jump into to Detroit a little bit here. So. I know your family, Detroit Red Wings fans, die hard. This is a tough time for Detroit fans. And I, I remember this streak. I believe I remember the streak was 24 years in a row. Was that it? Making yeah, the, I would making have the to look. I, it was mid-20s. Uh, God, how many? See, I'm not a diehard fan. That's terrible. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't remember the exact number. It was, it was. was. I know at one point it was 24. I remember hearing that. So whether they got another two, one or two after that. But they have officially where a lot of teams dynasties go you know it happens you can't consistently be the best team and and the top teams and make the playoffs for every year because eventually you're t- you get your top guys retired or you you know a couple of guys start start being a little more sluggish and not playing as well um so detroit last year was so far 
from second to last, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the last time there was a team that was that far out of that, you know, that far into last place. Um, so let me ask you this. What does their season look like this year? You know, we know their expectations are low. They're supposed to be in last pretty much by everybody's standards. But are they a team that the Central is just going to blow over? Or are they going to be a little bit better? You know, do they have the right guys to to make a showing, at least in some games? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. We'll see. You know, I think it's early and they showed some hope. You know, I, I, do they have a chance? You know, are they going to be a playoff team? Hard no. But, you know, are they going to win a couple games? I think absolutely. I mean, they showed that early against a strong Carolina and Columbus group. You know, they split the series with those guys and, and they went 0-2 against the Hawks. And I think, you know, maybe some things are catching up with them. But they definitely built around. I mean, you got Stevie Y at the helm now and he's a red wing in and out. And look what he did in Tampa Bay, you know. And I think that having him back and, and with the prospect pool that they have, um, guys like Zadina now getting some playing time and uh, Gianna Smith, as another guy that comes to mind, they're just really looking good, like in a promising future. I think their goaltending is better than it has been. I mean, Jimmy Howard has had an amazing career, but you know, during the the um, waning years of it was it was difficult, you know, to get those wins when he didn't have as much support. So I'm excited to see uh, Thomas Grice or Grice, as he's been known to be called on some of the <laughs> news networks. Um, and then, uh, you know, having him and then Bernie, I think, is a veteran goaltending core. But but I just think with the prospect pool they have, you know, Raymond Sider, uh, Valeno, and um, some of the new acquisitions in the way of like Stetcher and stall, you know, maybe, maybe those are some, uh, fantasy fan or, uh, expansion draft bait, uh, you know, with Seattle coming in next year. But I think that those are some key guys that really they could build on And, and I think, you know, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but I think they're going to be better. Are they going to be far from second to last? Not as much this year. I, I really, it's been more fun to watch them. And, you know, so I'm excited to see what, what'll happen, but, uh, you know, like low expectations as usual. Yeah, I I agree with you. I'm glad you actually said that. That fun to watch because I watched some of their games last year and they were brutal. I mean, they were they were outskated, they were outchanced. Every game was a 40 to 18 shot differential, or a, you know, if they got a win, it was like Jimmy Howard had had 42 saves, or you know, it doesn't look that way that this year. They got beat. You know, Chicago beat them twice, Dallas beat them twice, and and handily the second time. But you know, those are those are games that normally would be not blowouts because they, they, to be honest, I don't remember them giving up a ton of goals. Like it's not like they lost every game, six, nothing. They just weren't in the game. You know, there's a big difference between losing three to one and it being a good game and maybe they get an empty netter or, or losing three to one where it was handily two nothing or handily three, nothing the entire game. And that's why I think Detroit is in, but this year, what I, what I see is a little more hustle and they have some energy. You know, you see when they go down, like I think it was the stars first game when they went down, um, after they thought they were going to, you know, come back and 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 make that a closer game. Maybe it was the second game. They thought it was going to be a closer game and they made it tight. As soon as they went down two goals again, you saw that team just deflate, you know, and they're, they started losing every every race to the puck. So they're definitely going to have mm-hmm. growing pains because they have, like you said, a lot of young guys. And even the older guys, it's hard to be energetic <laughs> and it's hard to be excited because your team has been poor for a few years now. So the big thing for me is if Larkin can be Captain Larkin, you know, newly named Captain, can he deliver can he be the star that a lot of people think he is you know um because they need that they need a superstar and they've got a bunch of young guys but the fact that they don't have a guy where you know every team you look at is like okay maybe this team is poor but they have ovechkin and so they got a great player they can build around larkin's supposed to be that guy 
and he hasn't been to me in the past. So maybe this year he can get off to a better, you know, a better start and and really help lead that team. Now the C maybe will get him get them fired up a little bit and and we'll see. I think they're still going to be last. I agree with you, but I think they will show a little bit more um you know, a little bit more in the in the season than they did last year. So speaking of superstars though, let's let's jump in here. So this is a question that I ask myself all the time because it's not an easy answer. You know, there's there's a there's a, a few few answers that seem to be somewhat automatic, but if you really dig into it, best players in certain positions and in the world is is a tough topic. So what I want to do is go through a couple things here. We're gonna go through, we're gonna start with best offensive player, so most skilled offensive player, uh, best pure goal scorer, best passer, best defenseman, and best goalie. And then after that, we're gonna say flat out, who do you think is the best player in the world overall? And I think that's what makes it exciting is that there's a lot of different answers for those things. You know, it's not now with how defensive hockey needs to be, it's not the Mario Lemieux anymore. We're like, you're like, all right, that guy scored 75 goals. He's the best player in the world. Now it's like, okay, but did he play defense? Is he in his structure? Is he helping his team win? You know, back then they just outscored everybody. So it didn't really matter. But um, (laughs) so let's start with best offensive player, most skilled player, who do you have in there? You know, you can go through a few players and and pick one from them, but I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, just skill wise, you look at someone like Connor McDavid and it's just hard to argue with that guy. I mean, just straight up speed, uh, change of direction. You know, he broke off Shifley the other night and it was like, Oh my God, you know, what a, what a, and he fit and he buries it too. You know, he's not a guy that gets these chances and flies by somebody, you know, uh, I don't want to name names. <laughs> It could, it's probably me in men's league, honestly, but you know, <laughs> blows by somebody and, and it just can't bury it, you know, and McDavid freaking puts it home and he does it in so many different ways. Uh, but you know, you look at a guy also like Nathan McKinnon that I think does a very similar thing. Maybe he's got a little better surrounding cast, you know, obviously McDavid has dry sidle, but McKinnon's just got such a stacked roster, but he's still, I think almost far and above the best, one of the best players, you know, and I, I know you love ranting and, um, you know. hot hot take Bobby Ryan maybe uh up for the Art Ross this year with uh help from Larkin really getting to see no um and then a guy like Kucherov it's just too bad we won't be able to see him this year uh with his injury but you know you just see him come to life in the playoffs you know and bringing up guys like Braden Point and other guys but those are the kind of the three guys on my list that are just some of the best offensive players okay so who you name and number one I'm going to go with Connor McDavid. You got to. I mean, the guy is just the heart, soul of Edmonton and, and lives up to the hype and the spotlight. And he's just a great skater, great passer, and he can bury the puck. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just going to jump right in. I'm with you on that 100%. I, the same names come to mind. Uh, Crosby kind of comes to mind too a little bit. Um, his offense, I mm, think, has yeah. gone a little bit. But for the most part, I mean, the, the goals that he scores puts him up there, at least in the conversation. But there's no way you, yeah. can, you can argue that. If, let's just say you you could go out there with one guy in pond hockey, it would be McDavid 100% because <laughs> I mean, like you said, it, it's a perfect time to be doing this podcast too. Cause he had two goals this week where he, he went from stop to start faster than anything I've seen before. I mean, a lot of times you don't notice how fast people are moving and then you go out there and try to make that move in, in a game or something. And you realize that it takes you <laughs> a good three seconds to get revving up. And he, he stops and, and makes that little look like he's going to pass and then just accelerates and burns people around the corner. So I think, yeah, I think offensively skilled, he's he's number one uh, by far. So let's go into pure goal scorers. Who do you got? Yeah. 
Oh boy. So another list, I mean, it's so hard to choose. And then, you know, you got to tip your hat to someone like Alex Ovechkin that just could put, put the puck away still at, at you know, whatever he is, 58 years old or something. Um, but he's just amazing. <laughs> he's just, I mean, he's gray hair and, and he's blasting him. But I mean, I look at, and I, I don't think he scores all the goals. I think he's still, he's kind of the guy that's set up in his office, but you know, he had a lot of goals last year. Um, but David Pasternak, I just think he's an amazing goal scorer. And, and he, maybe, yeah, he's on the best line in hockey, but, and you know, Marshawn's finding him. And, but I think he is just a really good, you know, shooter, uh, and then just puts the puck away, gets to the dirty areas, um, and is a good playmaker making his own goals. Um, but you know, you look at, and you just say pure shot and somebody that could bury the puck, um, anywhere from the top of the circles down, even above that, someone like Austin Matthews and, and Patrick Laine, I think are just, just such good pure shooters that, you know, you just worry about them at all times, especially Matthews, because he can really create as well and get his own shots. Um, but you know, if I were to just nail it, I'm, I'm going to say Austin Matthews, I think goal scorer wise. And, and for a young guy, I think he's kind of the best, um, you know, hot take. I think Guriana, some of the guy for the stars, he could be kind of either the future Ovechkin, but you know, he showed that move the other night uh, against the wings where he cuts to the middle and, and rightfully so he had the the red wings goal, you know, goalie taken out, but it was just a, you know, a strong move from a young guy. And I think he could really, he put up a lot of goals in, in the playoffs um, last year. And he could also maybe put up a lot of goals this year. So I got, I got Matthews, but hot take, maybe Guriana you know, comes out this year and shows how, what he can do. Yeah. I like that. I think that that's such a weird thing. You said that because Gurionov reminds me a lot of Matthews where, you know, it's just a lefty that can just bring the shot from anywhere on the ice. You know, he releases it so quick and Matthew scores a lot of goals where you don't even see him shoot because he just pulls it and shoots it so quickly. Um, so that's a, that's a very good comparison though. I think that he brought a lot, a lot of eyes to him last year in the playoffs, but when I look at it, I, I agree with with you. I think that that Matthews does it. My my big two were Ovechkin and Pasternak, and I think that the reason I pick mm-hmm. I pick Alexander Ovechkin, I think it's because Pasternak's line is unbelievable, and we all know Nicholas Backstrom is is unreal when he's on the line with with Ovechkin and and Oshie is a good passer and those guys. But having Bergeron and Marshawn on your line, you've seen what Marshawn can do with his <laughs> passing. You don't have to be the yeah. best scorer in the league to put up forty on that line. Um, and he he gets so many he gets a lot of goals that are a little uglier, which is great. That's what you want to do in hockey. But that's not that's not the pure goal scorer that Ovechkin is. Ovechkin they've known and we've all known for how many years where he sets up on that power play, and he still puts like fifteen of them away every year. I mean, yeah. they they almost shut him off completely on power plays, and he still finds a way to score. So to me, that's that's my number one scorer. Um, you know, I might be a little biased too. He was. He was my favorite player by far when I was growing up. As soon as he came in, the whole Crosby Ovechkin debate was never a debate with me. He <laughs> just the way he just powers through people is is the kind of score that I that I really see. So I got Ovechkin on that one. Um, speaking of passers, though, I'm, I'm doing some great little uh, leading into the next thing. Not even on purpose, yeah. here, but passers. Who do you got? Top passers. Yeah, I mean, I just I'm going to go with the stats here. I mean, some guy like Patrick Kane. I mean, how can you beat that guy? And and on, on a team that's gutted, you know, like the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, you know, they have been, but I think they have so many up and coming rookies that are really solid. And then, you know, he's playing on a line with someone like Yanmark and then just all the opportunities, the overtime game they had the other night against the Red Wings, just all the 
passes that he made that were just so close. And, and also, I mean, statistically looking at it too, like his primary assists, he gets about 80% primary assists. So it's not like he's just making a breakout pass and he's, or he's getting a rebound. Like this guy is just finding people open and, and really just burying them. But I mean, low key, I think there's guys like Matt Barzil, who is also, uh, well, mid, you know, mid eighties, 83% of a primary assist kind of guy on the Islanders and not surrounded with, you know, again, like a amazing core, but somebody that could just really create and see the ice well. And then also low key. I mean, you know, I love the guy, maybe it's his hair, but Kyle Connor, you know, <laughs> someone that just sets up people like line a and, and on, on the jets, he's just a re- really great passer too. Uh, those are, you know, my three, but I got to just give the nod to Kane. He's just one of the all-time greats, I think. And, and still on a team that's, you know, having a, a down year, maybe rebuilding a bit. Uh, I think Kane is just one of the best passers of all time. Yeah. I mean, have you seen anyone throw a better saucer pass than Patrick Kane? There's, there's, <laughs> no. I don't think there's anybody that does it. I mean, everybody in the NHL can do it pretty well, but I just can't picture him throwing a four foot high saucer pass so many times across the <laughs> yeah. entire rink to someone on a one-timer. I think he did it the other night. Um, in overtime and threw one across on a power play that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to make that pass flat with no defenders in there. And he's throwing it over sticks, landing flat for a one timer. So I'm, I'm agreeing with you 100%. I didn't even have a debate on this one. It was Patrick Kane. Um, and the cool thing about Kane is a lot of times when you look at pure passers, they're not big scorers. You know, you look at a guy like Backstrom who he, he's a he can score goals, but he's not a pure scorer in any way. Kane is kind of both. Yeah. Kane's so. just nasty. You know, he, he's someone that buries on the backhand. Um, he makes his own chances. He's just such a dynamic guy. I agree. Yeah. Sorry. I get, I get excited just thinking about saucer. Passes, Absolutely. You know? <laughs> and and the funny thing is this isn't a topic, but if I was to pick best stick handler, I'd probably pick Patrick Kane too. So maybe we should have put him a higher on our, uh, on our overall list and with, <laughs> with players, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go into the other side of the puck here. Let's go defense. Who are your best, who are your top D man? Yeah, you know what? I think just far and above, one of the best guys in the league is is Miro Heiskanen. He's a high draft pick, um, just such a strong player on, on a star squad that, you know, has Clint Bird and other supporting casts. But I, I just think as a rookie, you know, seeing him come out and then, you know, offensively and de- defensively, he's a guy that, you know, makes stops. He's responsible, um, you know, makes that great first breakout pass, but he's also just so good on the power play and, and just finding people and, and finding lanes. I think he's just... You know, he, I thought Klinberg was good on the stars, but he is amazing um, and defensive defenseman. You know, I, I think a lot of guys like Roman Yossi get a lot of attention, rightfully so, um, for their kind of offensive prowess. But I think that that Heiskanen, you know, puts it on the both sides of the puck. And then, <laughs> I mean, poor Yossi, you know, he gets toasted by someone like, was it Liddell or? Uh, yeah, Essa Liddell, shorthanded. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. You know, and, the, you know, Essel and Dell is like watching a, a linebacker make an interception and come up the ice. But, um, yeah, I, I think that he, that Heisken is just awesome. I, I still think maybe overall right now in the league, someone like Victor Hedman, maybe like, you know, just strong, solid, one of the best. But he's just got such a good supporting cast. But uh, and so does Miro Heiskanen. But I just think that right now, Miro Heiskanen might be the best defenseman. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I actually had Hedman as best overall, but I think that very soon, if not this season, Haskinen will be the best. And, you know, I watch a lot of Stars games, so I see him more than most people, but the world was introduced to Miro Haskinen last year in the playoffs. And a lot of times you don't even notice. If you're not a hockey mind, you don't really understand the game that much. You're just kind of watching. You don't notice it because he does 
points. And last year he led, I think he led defense in points, but for the most part, a lot of games, he just quietly drifts away with a great game. You know, you don't notice it. And then you look back at little plays he makes, you know, a little play, like you, like you mentioned on the breakout and he just gets a puck and completely makes a perfect little move and, and a small pass to the middle that 90% of defensemen wouldn't have made in that position. And they would have thrown it off the glass or something like that. And then, he comes down and you don't realize that he's one of the fastest players in the NHL until he gets full flight. And all of a sudden he's just drifting past the entire back check um, <laughs> of the other team. And, uh, and the cool thing about Miro too, is he can score. He puts the puck in the net. He doesn't, he doesn't get a lot of chances and not finish. And that's why he gets points is because when he gets a chance, he scores and he, he finds teammates, uh, you know, last, I think last game he, he found tied to Landria for his first goal in what, was just an unbelievable, completely cross-ice backdoor pass that had to be within an inch of where he put it in order for Delandria to get a stick on it, and it's exactly where it was. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to say right now, if I was to have one defenseman, depending on the position, because Hedman is a much more defensive player. Um, so if I'm talking just defense, if, if I'm going to match you up one-on-one with this guy, I'd pick Hedman. But overall, it uh, the most exciting defenseman, and I think very near future um, Norris Trophy winner, I th- I'm with Haskin as well. So... Uh, let me ask you this. Am I allowed to ask questions? I'm sorry. I jumped in. I got excited. Of course you are. What do you think about defensive duo this year? Because there's a lot of cool kind of, you know, new duos that are coming up. You know, you got Dave on Taze over at Devin Taze. I don't know how to say his name. Bless his heart. But you got him on Colorado. You know, you got the Washington Capitals with Carlson and whoever of is on that line. Um, you know, I, and I think like someone like Kale McCarr, uh, Dave on Taze, or even Petrangelo now newly picked up by the Knights. So who's your who's your best duo in the NHL? Ooh. Um, so does it have to be an actual pair? Because sometimes a lot of those top two guys don't oh. play on the same pair. Let's do both R- real quick. Hot take. Who's your who's your best pair? Yeah, we'll just okay. do best two. Um, I'm gonna go with what we someone we were just talking about. I don't know if anyone plays better shut down defense and with an offensive prowess than the Lindell Klingberg top pair in Dallas um you know a lot of a lot of times people you have a pair that's either very defensive or very offensive you know Nashville all they have is offense on their defensive side um but I think that Klingberg Lindell Lindell is so underrated you know you you watch stars games and you really don't see it until you watch a lot of their games he kills like 90 percent of their penalty minutes and he can he can score shorthanded once in a while um but he blocks so many shots and plays so well that he's just always going to be in the right spot, which allows Klingberg to to float free, which is what he needs to do. So I'm going to go with best pair, Klingberg-Lindell. Um, and then I'm going to go best total duo. Um, that's really tough. Um, I really liked the Nate, Nate Schmidt um, and Petrangelo both being in Vegas, but Schmidt got, got Ooh, traded. Yeah. Um, that's a tough one. I know and someone like Krug and McAvoy, you know, that were real fun in Boston. Um, they're also, you know, different teams and everything. It's yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's a fun year. It'll be cool to see people come out. Yeah. Oh, you know, who's another, another pair that I'm going to is Wierenski and Seth Jones. I think Seth Jones could be on pace for having maybe a Norris trophy, especially if he gets some offensive support. They got line a coming in. The blue jackets are in, you know, a division where they could be really good. I think maybe Wierenski and uh, Jones, maybe, or a good pair this year, a good pick. But. Yeah, Columbus has a solid D group back over there. Um, you know what? I just thought of another one too that would, is 
is a question mark for sure. But what about Chara and John Carlson both being in Washington at the same time? <laughs> you know, you got, you You're got right. offensive Carlson and the elongated Zidane Chara who is, is back there and actually playing pretty well right now. I think he scored his first goal in Washington the other night. Um, so that's another one to, to keep an eye on of, of top duos because Chara was one of the best to do it when he was doing it. You know, he's obviously, you know, very, very tall and that got most of his most of the attention on being the biggest guy in the NHL, but he also was a great defender and his not, not surprisingly, his stick got on a lot of pucks because he could basically reach across the whole defensive zone. So um, that's, that's <laughs> another interesting one in Washington though. Yeah. Also one of the most, my favorite hockey memory, maybe when, when uh, Chara, you know, he's playing, God, it must've been the Bruins and they were playing the senators. And I remember him fighting like Jason Spezza or something like that. Just this weirdest. And I'll remember him like, you know, holding the punch above him. And, but what a class act, you know, he's not someone that's going to hit some other vet, but I agree. I think it's going to be so fun to watch Chara and Carlson um, as well. So, yeah. You used to wait. see a lot of guys, small guys come try to hit him and he, he wouldn't be the guy who would like stand <laughs> over you and taunt you or anything. Cause he's a great class act player, but he would just, you know, yeah. someone would just fall over trying to hit him. And it's, I've seen a couple guys actually deliver good hits on him in the, in the, the NHL sometimes. So that's, that's good too. But let's, uh, let's dive into, uh, I'm, uh, so I'm saying Hedman, uh, as best overall Miro, yeah. Miro coming up tight right behind him though. But Love let's it. go last two topics here. Our last two positions, we're going to go goalie and then we're going to go best overall. So what do you got for goalies? Yeah. You know what? I was looking at the stats the other day, and I just think that you still got to give the nod to someone like Carey Price. I mean, he's got 351 wins for the the freaking Montreal Canadiens. You know who they've won 24 cups, and it hasn't been since Nam that they've won one. But um, you know, they he's ahead of guys like you know Jacques Plant, who you may have heard of, and Ken Dryden. You know, these are just like Leafs legend or sorry Canadians legends that he's ahead of. And I I think that now with uh, them bringing in Jake Allen, it could be kind of like a Halak to Karras situation where he's just boosted up. And, and I think he is still as far and above one of the best goalies in the league. Um, I look at someone coming up and someone like Kata hot, um, out of Philly, <laughs> the Kata hot could have a year. Um, so I, I think maybe it's between those two, uh, Carey price is splitting. So maybe overall Carter Hart is the best goalie, but, uh, Carey price right now, maybe still the best kind of goaltender in the league. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be huge for Price having Allen. I think if I remember correctly, Allen was there for like the very end of the year, but I feel like he got hurt or something. I can't remember specifically because Price played so well in the playoffs last year and played every minute. And I think the biggest thing for him is that he obviously he's aging. You know, he's he's towards the end of his career. I think if they can balance that with Allen playing and and Price not playing eighty percent of their games, you know, they maybe make it a sixty forty split or something like that. I think he can he can definitely excel and. uh you know, I don't know if he's the best right now, especially because his his team gives up a lot of a lot of opportunities defensively. But I think that you know he's definitely going to have a better year than people think because a lot of people have just counted him out, and then last year kind of woke them up to like, oh yeah, this is Carey Price. I kind of forgot he was still yeah. here. Um, <laughs> but I think that best overall, I I I put it between Vasilevsky and Tukaras because if you look at Tukaras, he had he's always had a nice backup. Um, you know, true backup where it was a 70, 30 or 60, 40 split. Um, but he's been on the top of the charts and stats every year. He's always up there. And of course you're going to have great stats when you play for Boston because their structure is one of the best in the league and they're always top three defensively. But, you know, I think overall, if you were to look at who really gives their team the best chance to win Tuka Rass to me is that guy, uh, Vasilevsky's getting there. And I think he will be, you know, last year in the playoffs, he was unbelievable. 
um, completely won a couple games for that team when they weren't on their game. But I'm going to go with Rask as the number one uh, for me. But I agree. I had Carter Hart on here as a and Curry Price as an honorable mention more to just to say that I think they're, they're there and Carter Hart's on his way. Um, Philly's an interesting team overall, but we'll get into that another time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that, that Rask is the number one guy right now. But let us go into the tough question here. Who is the best player in the world? Wow. You know what? I got Pavel Dotsuk in the KHL. You know, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Wild card. He scored a sick Gosh, goal the no. other night, though. He's still got it. Man. He's still, He's got, still it. got it. The Red Wings would do well, but they got Lucas Raymond in the wings. So I'm calling it right now. Future <laughs> Selkie, uh, Lady Bing winner, Lucas Raymond. Um, I think that you got to just give the nod to Connor McDavid. I mean, just from a pure hockey player perspective, night in and night out, the guy's just the heart and soul of the Edmonton Oilers. He's an unbelievable skater. Uh, he plays defense, both ends of the puck, and he can just pass, shoot, score, you know? And uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to give the nod to McDavid. Yep. How about you? Yeah, I, I McDavid and Crosby were my two. Um, but the difference for me is that's why this is such a key separate point is that Crosby, I think, is a better overall player in every area of the game. Um, you know, he wins most of his faceoffs every year. He kills penalties. He's on the power play. He's another incredible passer who we didn't even bring up, really, when we we're talking about passers. You know, he makes some yeah. incredible plays. And then he also does, you know, McDavid blows this away with his skill a lot where he scores a goal and you're like, how is that even possible? And it's mostly his skating. Crosby, I would say, has the best hands in the league where he, you know, he's not, how many pucks has he knocked out of midair? And one of them I flipped, I think he flipped to himself and then knocked it out of midair. And then he makes some incredible passes. And, you know, I don't think that that team is as good as they are if he's not an overall player if he doesn't play solidly on the defensive end you know you got guys like Evgeny Malkin who I can go off on for 20 minutes who I just don't think play hard in the defensive zone and back check and Crosby's not (laughs) like that Crosby plays hard in every zone he wins face-offs he kills penalties and he leads his team as a captain you know McDavid's a captain now a couple years uh newer captain pretty much was given captain basically when he got into the league which made sense for how that Edmonton team was when he got into the league but um, I think I'm going to go with, with Crosby as the number one guy in the world. And I think that that soon will change. And I'd like to see McDavid play a little better defensively. I don't think he is bad in any way. I'm never going to say he's a, a liability back there, but he could, he could grow his game more and he will. He's a young guy. People kind of forget because he's already been the best player basically every year um, statistics wise, but he's, he's still a young guy and I think he'll develop that defensive prowess a little bit more uh, going forward. But so that's it. That's what we got for the the top players. Um, some some disagreements, but for the most part, it, it's pretty standard. You get you get the top three pretty much the same in in most categories because these guys deliver every year. You know, Patrick Kane's kind of I'm not going to say on his way out, but he's he's towards the end of his career. Crosby's getting older. Ovechkin's like you said, graying out. Um, but these guys are still <laughs> doing it. So I think they still got a couple of years of of being the elite guys in the league. Um, so last topic here that I want to talk about. We mentioned Dallas a couple times and. I want to talk about the stars because what blows me away is the stars seem to be the team now that, and every league has it where they just don't get respect. You know, I, you see a lot of NFL teams where they're like, how, how are these guys not getting better projections? They've been in the playoffs every year. They're beating good teams and, and you wonder, and then you thought last year, okay, great. The stars surprised everybody and made that run last year. 
here we go. They're going to get great expectations. Everybody counted them out. I think most of the previews I listened to, they weren't even listed as a playoff team, which just <laughs> blows me away. I know they have some injuries and they have some stuff going on, but the fact that they don't think they're a top four in that central division blows me away. So what I want to, I want to go through something here. I, if you remember, I texted this to you last year um, when the stars, I think was when they got to the cup and I went through a list of what they went through this year. You know, some of it just being distraction or adversity, some of it being really bad adversity. And so I'm going to list some things off here um, before we jump into the stars projection for this year. So last year, the stars start out one, seven and one, one of the, I think it was the worst start in franchise history. They couldn't find a goal anywhere. They lost to the wings. So that just shows you, um, <laughs> then a couple weeks later, uh, or a week, week later, Jim Montgomery, who was their future coach, youngest coach in the NHL, had a great year, took him to the, almost to the Western Conference final in his first year, developed a defensive strategy that the Stars needed so long after Lindy Ruff. He gets fired and shocks the NHL world. Nobody knows why. And then you find out it was something to do with, with alcohol abuse and, and inappropriate behavior. And you're like... Ugh. They can't catch a break. They finally get a coach who they think will be their guy. I mean, they. I think Jamie Benn talks about it a lot. He hadn't had the same coach for more than two years since he started. So they've been searching for that coach, oh, yeah. and they had it, and then he got fired. So luckily, they were built very well for it, as well as you can be built for that situation. They got Rick Bonus, who's coached more games than anyone in the NHL um, as their assistant, and they decided to hire him as their, as their interim for the season. And he was put in a tough spot because not only – are you put in a spot where you're not ready to be head coach? But he also didn't have the training camp or anything to develop his team. So he was just like, okay, I'm the guy. We have a structure. We're going to stick with it. And then next year, <laughs> if I'm the coach, training camp will kind of, you know, develop the, what I want to add to the structure. So Monty gets fired. Bonus comes in. He actually gets a, a shutout win in his first game. Then the team goes on to be the best team in the NHL win percentage-wise for the for the the remaining, um, I think it was until March, until we got that that COVID stoppage. They went on like a six-game losing streak to, to end that, but they were still the number one win percentage team. So best team in the NHL over the, the Tampas and the Washingtons that were that were basically unstoppable. They have that crazy winter classic game, the, the most Southern hockey game of all time, where they come back, and that was our first little uh, hint of the Stars' comebacks that they would make. Um, super successful. So 2020 starts off with a bang, and then who knew it was coming from there? But they the funny part is... Going into the playoffs, they they had some adversity that nobody really knows about. They were like 0.01% higher than the Oilers. Otherwise, they would have been playing the the uh the 12 seed in the in the play-ins instead of being on the round robin. Mm-hmm. So that's a lucky break because Edmonton had a lot of trouble in that first round, and a lot of people had a lot of trouble in that first round. I mean, the other side, 5-12, Montreal beat Pittsburgh. So very lucky break. They get, I mean, lucky in terms of, you know, thank thank goodness we won a couple of those games when we did because otherwise we'd be playing more hockey. So the biggest thing for that is they looked awful in the round robin. By far the yeah. worst team. They got shut out in their exhibition against Nashville. They lose to uh, the first game to uh, Vegas after they show some prowess and show get three goals in like a minute and a half span, but then end up losing at the end. They get shut out by Colorado for nothing, and then they need a last-second tying goal to beat the Blues in a shootout. Otherwise, they were going to lose all of their games. Um, so they get in, and that ended up being good, too, because the three-seed ended up playing Calgary, which was a better matchup for them. They come out of that series, don't look great. They're, they go back and forth in game one and two, and then they're down two to one. Twelve seconds left in game four. They're about to go down three to one in the series. 
Joe Pavelski scores a goal to tie the game. Stars win in overtime, end up winning the rest of the games and winning that series. Not easily, because keep in mind, they needed seven straight goals in game six in order to overcome a three nothing deficit uh, to win that that series in that game. But then you get the most unbelievable playoff series I've ever seen in the Colorado Dallas series where every time you thought one thing was going to happen or one thing was going to end the game, there was three more goals before the game even ended. Um, so they win that in game seven with the Yoel Kiviranta hat trick that came out of left field. Then you look at their yeah. injuries. They had no Ben Bishop for the entire playoffs. He played one game and yeah. he is, yes, he's a fragile guy. He gets hurt every year, but he's a Vesna trophy finalist when he's actually healthy every year. So they got a guy in Anton Hudobin who's never started. Um, he's never played a season. He's never been the number one guy. He's always been a solid backup, um, you know, in places like Boston and Dallas. He has to play the entire playoff with a 21-year-old rookie as his backup. Then you lose Blake Como, I think, in the in the Colorado series, who is their best penalty killer and just a great defensive guy on that third line. Then you lose Radek Faxa in, I believe, the Western Conference Final, who is on that line as well, and another one of their big penalty killers and faceoff guys. Rope Hintz playing with a broken ankle in the Western Conference Final ends up getting hurt in hurting his hip and missing most of the Stanley Cup Final. John Klingberg missed a couple games to injury. Sagan and Ben were both playing. Sagan with torn everything. I mean, his hips were messed up. His shoulder was messed <laughs> up. So he wasn't Sagan. You know, a lot of guys play through injuries, but he was not the same player. Ben was not the same player, even though he was scoring a lot of goals. He was playing through injury. So <laughs> go through that list. You would never think that I named those things and that was two wins away from the Stanley Cup final. Actually, because yeah. they played Tampa, who seemed to be the best bar. And they almost, I mean, they were they were outplayed for sure. And they, Tampa Bay handily beat them overall. If you look at the series, they were the better team. But you don't take a team to game six Stanley Cup final. And, and they were one, they were, you know, an overtime goal away from tying the series two to two instead of going down three to one. So <laughs> let's, let's start with why do you think teams are looking at the saying they're not going to make the playoffs this year and then what do you see for them this season yeah i mean i think that you just summed it up so well i think with and nobody looks at the adversity and the the you know the heart and the the, all the storylines that they do they just see the stats and they see the lineup and they don't really look into you know up and coming guys like hints and Gurionov. Um, and so I just think, and someone like Anton Hudobin, who was, you know, first in the league in save percentage last year at 930, you know, he's a good goalie. Like you, you can't get around that. And you've seen the saves that he's made already this season, you know, and, and played Nashville where they won seven to nothing, but like the beginning of that game, he needs some pretty pivotal saves. Um, and I just think that he's kind of on a hot streak and really just putting them in a place to win every single night. You know, I mean, he gets a little bit of crap, but he's never had the role and he's kind of been in Ben Bishop's large, tall shadow these last few years. Um, uh, but I just think that they're just so solid from the bottom up from goalies and, and the defensive, like you mentioned, one of the best penalty killers in the game, Essa Lindell. Um, and then, you know, if they could stay healthy, I, I really think that they're a team that could, and don't get in a slump, you know, a short season, 53 games, you know, if they, if they lose a couple, which they haven't yet, they're four and oh, you know, <laughs> but if they lose a few games, um, do you worry about them a little bit? And so I'm excited to see, I think they're going to get a fight, you know, a test, you know, they played um, the Red Wings and the Preds who are not going to be playoff teams, I don't think. Uh, but coming up with Columbus, it's going to be really fun to see kind of how they do. I think that'll be a good barometer. Uh, but I really just think that they're another good team. And it, and if anything, it's going to be the best year because they're playing the Lightning, you know, day in and day out this year. So we're really going to know kind of where they stand 
potentially, but then maybe not, like you said, that playoff time or that playoffs was just unreal last year. And so, you know, even if they're down and out, you think um, the stars are a team that can keep coming behind. Maybe people don't in Canada that are writing the hockey articles don't like Texas. I don't know. Um, but I think the stars are on for another hot run. And another good storyline, I think, too, just to bring up is uh, Jim Montgomery's really gotten kind of seems like under control a lot more it's getting another opportunity with the st louis blues so that's really great for him to see and then rick bonus what, what a story too you know a good coach you know he could be kind of a jack adams kind of guy in the next few years if, if they do pretty well but i know you follow up closer than i do so what are your thoughts yeah i'm excited that you brought that up because i'm excited for montgomery he was such an incredible guy he was such a good overall person in that locker room and a great coach so you know people worried that that was going to ruin his career because you know, that's, that's a, he, you know, he ended up going, checking into a rehab center for, for alcohol abuse. And that's a, that's a serious thing. That's a, that's something that can stop coaching that can take you away from the game. And people were rooting for him and I'm really glad he made his way back. He's an assistant now in, in uh, St. Louis. And I, I think he'll be a head coach again soon. And I'd love to see, you know, have him go get some, a couple of years somewhere else as a head coach. Maybe when Rick bonus retires, he ends up back in Dallas, who knows, but, um, uh, cause he didn't, it's not like he went out and was, you know, cursing off players and fighting with people he didn't do anything that bad it was just something that was not going to be tolerated at the time and he needed help and he got it so um very glad for him and very glad bonus decided to stick around this year you know it was up in the air if he was going to sign for an actual head coaching job because he's i think he's 67 years old now um oldest coach in the league and i think he he just said he was still excited about coaching and he wanted to be back that was big because the players just speak so highly of him so I, I agree. I think the Stars are, are a much better team, and we're talking here when they're 4-0, so it's a little easy. They are just a much better team than I think people say, and I know that Sagan and Bishop is going to kill them in terms of But I think Hudobin, we'll see if the young guy, Jake Ottinger, can can play well in when he needs to in relief because he's going to have to play. You know, he got his first start the other night and got seven goals to help him win, so that's a nice way to get <laughs> pu- pushed in the league. But I agree. I think they're going to be a better team than people are saying, and I think they're going to fight for the for the division title with the Lightning, and I'm not sure how anyone can say they're not going to be in the top four. You know, to me, it's just not it's just not that way. So we'll see. I don't know if they have another cup run in them. You know, they're going to have to they're going to have to get lucky because anybody in the league, you need to have luck on your side because you need to not have as many injuries as everybody else in order to win the cup. And if you talk to any team who's won, we had some luck, we got some good puck bounce, we had a little less injuries than the guys across from us at the end of the, the end of the day. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but um, that central division is is going to heat up. So, Warren, thanks so much, man. This was the best way I think I could have gone with this first episode. Um, thank you so much for joining me, and hopefully we can get you on another one coming up in the future. Can't wait. Yeah, later we'll get pucks deep, you know, back check and uh, pass shoot score. So, thanks for having me, man. This was a blast. A little excited to see how the, how the season plays out.